Welcome into NBA Sound System. Gil McGregor here with Scott Rafferty. Scott, what's up, man? <laughs> what's up? We made it. It was a uh, we made it crazy season and even crazier final day of the regular season. I I still don't know what to make of what happened on Sunday. I know this is crazy. Eighty two games, crazy final game of the season. I guess I should ask you: Are you in playoff mode yet, or do you need like a day to just kind of catch up, debrief, and then be in playoff mode? Yeah, I think it's going to hit me when I, I'm watching that first playing game. Like the, the lead up to that, the five minutes beforehand when the broadcast starts. I think that's probably when it'll hit me. What about you? Yeah, I was going to say maybe I'm in play in tournament mode. Like I'm ready to kind of, you know, just one game series or maybe, maybe, uh, two games to win one game for those teams who are going to uh, battle a little bit. But once we get to the weekend and the playoff games really start, uh, I'll, I'll be definitely ready. Lots to get into, uh, on this episode. Mentioned the play-in tournament playoffs, but we have to start with, like you said, you kind of hinted at it, a wild last day of the regular season. I know we're used to seeing like really uh, wild, long, lengthy injury reports and, and you know, guys who don't normally get a lot of playing time and get an opportunity to play. But um, I don't think either of us could have expected or predicted what we saw yesterday. I don't even know where do we even start with everything that happened on the final day of the regular season. <laughs> You you couldn't have predicted a single thing that happened on Sunday. I don't think. Um, I, I jokingly in our Slack chat this morning ranked the the wildest <laughs> things that happened on Sunday. Um, yeah. And I had the Rudy Gobert punch. I think takes the cake. Yep. No one saw that coming. Jaden McDaniels fracturing his hand and not playing in their play and possibly on if they make the playoffs. Udonis Haslam having his first twenty point game in a decade <laughs> in his final playoff game, uh, final regular season game. Kenneth Lofton Jr. forty two point game. Theo Penson triple double. And then Bones Highland and Mason Plumlee also got into a little bit of a shoving yeah. So, So those are the ones I listed. And then you rightly pointed out that, hey, Peyton Pritchard also had a 30-point triple-double, hit nine threes in that game, and Sam Hauser hit eight threes in that game. <laughs> and then, oh, by the way, the Warriors had the highest-scoring first quarter ever. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't have seen any of that coming. Yeah, 55 points for the Warriors in the, in the first quarter and a 56-point win over the Trailblazers, who uh, are focusing on the future, so to speak, and some other triple-doubles around the league. Uh, Trey Mann in OKC also had a triple-double for the Thunder. Uh, but again, was outdone by Kenneth Lofton Jr. In his first game on a standard NBA contract, uh, 42 points, 14 rounds, the most points ever uh, scored by a rookie in the 2022-23 season. So that will be a funny uh, and fun trivia question but i know the one you mentioned the one we have to talk about rudy gobert uh gets into it in the huddle with kyle anderson um apparently kyle anderson called him out of his name repeatedly according to adrian wojanowski uh it's picked up on camera rudy gobert just swings at him makes contact with kyle anderson's chest again this is the second quarter of a crucial game against the pelicans final game of the season and uh he sent to the locker room and sent home there's a lot to unpack here uh I don't know. Like, is this the 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 final straw that leads us to say that the Rudy Gobert experiment in Minnesota was a failure? Um, have you ever got into it with a teammate in a game like that? Is this this how wild is this? I I personally never got into it like in a teammate like that in a game. It, it's look, it, it kind of felt like the wheels fell off right for the Timberwolves yep. last night. Uh, just starting with the the, the Rudy Gobert incident. Um, that that's just not a great look, not a great look for, for anyone on the team, chemistry, all those kind of things. And then also to lose Jaden McDaniels to a fractured hand when he punched something. Um, he's so important to what they do. And it would be yeah. really nice to have one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA this season go up against LeBron James in the next round. And then, you know, a Brandon Ingram or Shea Gilgis Alexander after that if they lose. So mm-hmm. that that's a huge loss for them. Part of me is hesitant to call it a failure because it's year one, right? Right. Like, 
it's it's not like you rarely see a team that's just put together win it in their first year, right? Yeah. But it's yeah, also it's very true. fair to say these Timberwolves did not nearly meet the expectations I think everyone had for them coming into the season because I thought they would just be like, I thought there was a very clear ceiling for this team in the playoffs, but I thought they'd be awesome yeah. in the regular season. That hasn't been the case. And just looking at their situation, you know, the years that Gobert's got left in his contract, how much they're going to pay him, how awkward the fit was and everything. I mean, it's going to be a huge offseason for them to kind of figure out what this team can do moving forward, whether that is, you know, trade him. Is, is it Carl Anthony Towns to try and get some, of the, some you know, better assets back? I, I don't know, but I, I, th- I, I, don't, I don't see championship coming from this call, uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, that I, way. I, I think that's the thing that, that makes it – failure maybe is too strong of a word, but, like, you know, this team pushed in a lot of chips uh, to go in and make the move to get Rudy Go- Gobert. I, I – when when Sham Sharani tweeted out that Rudy Gobert was being sent home, I quote tweeted and said five first round picks. They they let go of five first round picks to make this happen. Now I get it. Carl Anthony Towns missed fifty plus games this season. Yeah. Um, so maybe they would have gotten a way to figure out a play alongside one another. But you, you know, over at the Sporting News, examined it early in the season just how clunky the fit was between those those two guys and anybody probably could have told you that that was going to be the case at least for year one but like you said had they been on the court together um maybe they would have figured things out and i think the two things from from that one tony jones who uh covers the utah jazz for the athletic kind of broke down what he saw um in in that situation and, and when toy and prince pushed rudy gobert after he hit um after rudy gobert hit kyle anderson it wasn't like a uh you need to be held back push it was like oh oh we, we we're going at we're going after it so we're getting after it now so i don't want to say that rudy gobert is a bad teammate but it's just kind of weird that it it, it kind of came off that like people are kind of fed up with Rudy Gobert. Apparently there's something behind it. He was playing injured and they were upset with how he was playing. And he was like, well, I'm playing injured. So whatever. Um, but that's an interesting thing. And I think the other thing that maybe they were premature and pushing the chips in for a guy like Rudy Gobert, because they did after the fact, after Rudy Gobert leaves the game and goes home after Jaden McDaniels is out for the game from punching something and fracturing his hand, they rally and, and beat the, the Pelicans in a very crucial game. And that's because Anthony Edwards, has all the superstar potential, made huge plays on both ends of the floor. And I think that maybe you maybe you decide to build differently. I don't know if there's a way that they can back out of this. I don't know if you give it another year. But I think that I just hope that for their sake and how special Anthony Edwards is, this doesn't get in the way of his growth into the superstar that he has the potential to become. The the crazy thing is, too, it's not even just like the amount of draft picks. It's like Walker Kessel was really good this year and they could have just yeah. had him. And it's like yeah. he does a lot of the same stuff Rudy Gobert does, you know, like. Right. So to think that they could have just had him, kept all the assets. But on one hand, I think having a player as talented and as young as Anthony Edwards is it's it's kind of a safety net for them. Right. Because they do have yeah. again, like, I, I don't know what the trademark would be like for Rudy Gobert, but like they, they could explore that. They could do the same thing for Cat. Like they can still rebuild this team around anthony edwards and it does open their window up you know if, if he was 29 years old it's, it, it kind of looks different right like it's like now yeah. or never but I, I do think just the fact that he is so young and i'm, I'm super high on anthony edwards I, I really liked him since he came into the nba he's had a breakout season i think it's pretty clear now he is a star and a guy who can probably be the best player on a, on a at least a very good team where i can be the best player on championship team we'll find out in the years to come but you know, to, to have that guy at the very least. And and Kat is, is so talented too. I, I, like he has his flaws. It's, yeah. it's funny to think, you know, what was it? Like four or five years ago, John Schumann does that GM survey and Kat was like the, <laughs> the one player the GMs would want to build around. 
and how different the landscape of the league is now and and how like he he wouldn't even be kind of like an honorable mention on that list right but he's still one of the he's in the conversation for best shooting big man in nba history when it's all said and done um he's just a fantastic super talented offensive player and he's a guy you know he's gonna help you out a lot in that kind of regard so but yeah it's they've got some tough decisions to make i think it's safe to say if 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 the season ends for them in the way that we think it is, given how the last game went and what they've got to do to kind of extend their season and what even that would look like if they were able to do that, it's going to be a long and interesting offseason for them. Yeah, yeah. I think that, like you said, mentioning Anthony Edwards' age is, is a really great point and, and having kind of some flexibility based around that. But um, they're definitely going to have to uh, answer some questions. Or as Kyle Anderson said, apparently in leaked uh, locker room audio, they're going to have to make a decision uh, one way or another. We'll talk more Timberwolves in a little bit because we're going to talk about the play-in tournament. They're set to face the Lakers in the 7-8 game in the Western Conference. But I think we got to start up north when we're talking play-in tournament. The Toronto Raptors are the East's nine seed locked that in last week and it's confirmed they will be playing DeMar DeRozan and the Chicago Bulls at Scotiabank Arena. Might not be the prettiest game. We've got plenty over at the Sporting News ahead of that game already. It's going to be on Wednesday night. Uh, again, that's wrong. I think they're setting up Jurassic Park for this one as well. Early, uh, I guess, reactions or thoughts about this matchup um, and maybe a, a, a battle that's going to be maybe not the prettiest game. And the fun part about this is DeMar DeRozan returning to Toronto, right? The, the place yeah, where he absolutely. came home for a, a good chunk of the start of his career, became a star there. He's beloved, right? Uh, whether you Wherever you rank him, he's, he's probably the top three greatest Raptor of all time, whether that's one, two, or three. Right. Um, so it'll be kind of fun to see him back in his old stomping grounds with an opportunity to kind of extend his current team season. He, he's had some big games against the Raptors in the past um, since leaving that team, since being traded from that team. However, the Raptors defended him Really well this season. OG Ananobi played a huge role in that. And look, it, it's not just OG. Like We, we know right. what Nick Nurse likes to do. He throws everything at the opposing team star and basically begs or dares other people on that team to beat them. So for the Bulls, I think a lot of this is going to come down to like who else is stepping up? Um, yeah. Can they knock down enough open threes? And the big thing for me is... In two of the three games the Raptors won against the Bulls this season, they absolutely dominated the offensive glass and the possession mm-hmm. battle. Mm-hmm. Um, the Raptors this season, I think they only had, let me count here, they had seven games this season where they had 19 or more offensive rebounds. <laughs> two of those games came in that those wins against the Bulls. Yeah, And that that's going to be huge because I think also the, the the game that the Bulls won, they... they, they, they not negated it. They didn't completely yeah. eliminate the Raptors on the offensive glass, but it wasn't nearly as as much of an issue. So I think that's going to be a huge thing here. But look, the Raptors, you pointed out in the preview that you wrote, they've been much better at home this season than they have been on the road. Um, they are just an annoying team. So are the Bulls, by the way. like yeah. the, the Bulls, yeah. interestingly enough, haven't been great offensively, but they've been really good <laughs> defensively this season. And, and Steph No tweeted it out. Um, but like you look at them on paper, they look identical. But I, I, yeah. I just still think you know the fact that this game is in Toronto – the Raptors have been playing better basketball lately. I, I do I do lean Raptors in this matchup. Yes, another thing uh, Steph pointed out in, in aligns with what you talked about with the, with the battle on the glass is that Jakob Pertl is going to be a guy who's going to make a huge difference. Those first two games uh, between the Bulls and Raptors were played early in the season. Um, it was a home-and-home, back-to-back nights. Pascal Siakam actually was injured, so he only played against the Bulls once this season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see Jakob Pertl's impact uh, on the series and also see Fred Van Vliet. Uh, he kind of was, he had some, some good moments towards the end of the season. I was looking at his three games against the Bulls this year. He averaged about 20 points. And one of those three games, he only had three points on one for 11 shooting. So if he had a, an average night 
um, then his averages would have been a little bit better against the Bulls. So I'm going with the Raptors. I I, I guess it's safe to say that we're both picking the Raptors in this game. Um, I think there's a reason that no 10 seed has won in uh, the play-in tournament yet, which I guess that means I I asked you about the Western Conference play-in tournament. We won't go as in-depth as we did with Raptors-Bulls, but what are you expecting? Uh, Pelicans, nine seed against the Thunder, 10 seed down in New Orleans. This is one where I feel like this is the fun of the play-in tournament because both teams have stars who could just absolutely go off and and really win this game but almost beat anyone, right? Shea Gilgis-Alexander has proved himself this season. 40-point games in the cards, an upset there. Uh, I, I still do lean Pelicans. I like the way they they, they played um, down the stretch of the season. They, you know, Brandon Ingram in particular, like his last yes. ten games, averaged twenty nine points, eight and a half assists, seven point six rebounds. He's a guy who, you know, when we do these redrafts, he was in the Siakam draft. When we do top thirty plays in the league, like he's the one who's kind of on the outside looking in. And some of that's mm-hmm. just injuries this season, right? That's limited right. him. But when he's playing at this level, he looks like one of the best forwards in the league. So I, I do lean Pelicans in this matchup, but I, I also do. It's one of those like I, I do kind of think it's a toss up to be honest, because the, the Thunder are really annoying to play against. Just the way they play offensively around Shea too. Um, they're long on the perimeter. They play small. They do kind of untraditional things off offensively. So I, I'm I am actually really looking forward to seeing this matchup. It's going to be a fun one. Brandon Ingram, his playmaking has been amazing. He's made some some really. Uh, Incredible passes, especially recently. I think we don't talk enough about the type of playmaker that he is just because the situations hasn't really uh, allowed him to do that in the past. But now that he's doing more of it, I think that's something that you'll definitely have your eye on. Uh, with this one, I, I think I'm going to lean slightly. It's a toss-up, as, as close as toss-ups can, can, can be. I think the Pelicans are going to regret uh, not closing things out in Minnesota. They're up by 13 uh, before, I think as much as many as 13 before the Timberwolves came back. Um, I kind of get the feeling that Thunder are annoying enough to be that first uh, 10 seed to get a win in the play-in tournament. I think it's going to be behind a big game from the three guards that they that they really run within that lineup. You talk about uh, Shea Gillis-Alexander, but also Josh Giddy and rookie Jalen Williams, the guard version. They have two Jalen Williams on their team, uh, but the guard one who will probably finish as rookie of the year runner-up, I think the Thunder are just going to be annoying. Lou Dort uh, can, can play defensively and make life difficult for them as well. So the, the absence of Zion Williamson will be felt. Uh, by the Pelicans. So I'm going to give the Thunder the slight edge there. Now let's move on. Before we move on to the Eastern Conference uh, 7A game and the Western Conference 7A game, uh, whoever wins in the 9-10 game will get a chance to play the one seed in the Western Conference and Eastern Conference if they win again on Friday. Um, but talk about the number one seed. Bucks in the East, Nuggets in the West. Do you think there's any shot that these teams in the play-in tournament range can give them any type of trouble in the first round? Look, I... I, I... The Bucks are probably, I think, the favorites to win right now, or they should be. Yep. So, no, is the, the short answer <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. I think the, the Nuggets, as a number one seed, are more vulnerable than the Bucks in saying yeah. that they are so good offensively and so good at home that I, I kind of just yeah. think the same way. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So I guess we'll, we'll, we'll move on to these seven, eight games because maybe these teams are a little bit better equipped uh, to make things difficult for a top seed. We'll start in the Eastern Conference because there's a lot going on there. Rematch from last year's first round. Miami Heat are the seven seed taking on the eight seed Atlanta Hawks, who uh big expose on Trey Young, I guess you could say on the ringer today, uh, whose future days might be numbered. Uh, in Atlanta, I had picked. I picked the Heat in this game before that even came out. And now uh, I think that that even adds more fuel to me believing that way. I think the Heat just do an excellent job in making Trey Young uh, look rather pedestrian when he is a, a borderline superstar player in the league. What say you about this seven eight game in the Eastern Conference? 
Well, the interesting thing about this is we saw this last year, right? And to your point, yeah. they defended Trey Young really well in that series. And I think that's part of the motivation that the, the Hawks went and got DeJounte Murray, right? To get yeah. to get someone else to pair with Trey Young in the backcourt to kind of take that playmaking burden off of him. So when teams do load up on Trey, there's someone else who can make a play. Um, almost kind of do the same things that he can offensively. In saying that, I'm on the same page as you. It, it's been a really weird season for the Heat. They've, yeah. they've been one of the most disappointing teams, I think it's fair to say. And yet, they still coach by arguably the best coach in the league in Eric Spolstra. I trust him in these situations. Jimmy Butler is is one of the best examples of a 16-game player compared to an 82-game player, which is saying something because he's still a hell of yes. a player over an 82-game season. Yep. He just elevates to like a top 20 level to top 10, um, even better than that in the playoffs. And, and really, I just, you know, bam, what he's been able to do defensively and kind of the, the, the strides that he's made offensively and everything this season. I, I do lean heat here. Yeah, I think that that's kind of basically what it is. You don't you don't really count out Jimmy Butler in a winner take all game. That being said, let's just say I'm hypothetical. Regardless, the winner of this game takes on the Celtics in the first round. I feel like a lot of Celtics fans may or may not be justified in this, but I think there's a a fear of facing the Heat in the first round. Do you think that that is justified at all, or do you think that Celtics fans are just worried based on things they've seen in years past? I think it's justified for the reasons that we just talked about. Chief among them being don't want to play against Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. In yep. saying that, if the goal is to win a championship, which has been goal number one since game one this season for the Celtics, yeah. you still have to beat the 76ers and probably Bucks to make it there. I don't think a team like this should necessarily be, based on whether he have played this season, sweating this yeah. matchup. But again, I, I Jimmy Butler, again, like you, you just don't want to mess around with that guy. So I, I think they need to come into the series like super motivated. You know, it reminds me of a was it the Bucks a couple years ago when the Heat beat the Bucks in that in that first round in the bubble, right? Mm-hmm. And then they came yep. back and played against each other the next year. That game one was super close. Went into overtime, yep. if I remember correctly. Chris Middleton hit the game winner. Yep. And that felt one of those like, oh, here we go again. This is seven games. And then the Bucks swept them, right? Yep. Um, yep. After that, like it wasn't even close. Like I feel like the Celtics need to come with the same attitude of being like, hey, we played against each other last year. We're better now. This is over in four or five games. We're not, we're not messing. We're not playing with our food here. I think that's honestly better for them because they won't take that first round matchup lightly. Similar to even last year, you know, there was a close sweep and people will laugh at us for saying that. But the fact that the Celtics took on the Nets in the first round and it was KD and Kyrie yeah. and all that stuff going on there, they got that game winner in, the, in game one. And then they kind of every game, the, the Nets kind of had some comebacks late, but it wasn't really uh, a, a doubt in your mind that the Celtics are going to come out. Uh, victorious in that series. So I think that's going to be interesting to see if they end up playing the Heat. I think it'll be the third time in the last four years those two teams meet in the postseason. Um, now, shifting to the Western Conference, we talked a little bit about the Timberwolves and all of the turmoil in their locker room. They take that to L.A. without Rudy Gobert, who will be suspended for the play-in tournament game um, against the Lakers, who played some really good basketball after the All-Star break. LeBron James sinks eight threes on the last day of the season, something else crazy that happened that we didn't even get a chance to talk about. Um, are you taking Lakers here? Because I think that everything going on uh, in the, the the Timberwolves side, I think that makes the, the Lakers look a little pretty pretty good here. Yeah, I'm going with the Lakers. I feel pretty boring because I've just picked the highest seed in each series. But <laughs> just the way that they've been playing over the, I think the nine and eleven in the last uh, nine and two in their last eleven games or something. Yeah, uh, LeBron. Looks good after coming back from that ankle injury. Anthony Davis has had a great season when he's been healthy. I like the pieces around them, and I just think all the turmoil going on with the Timberwolves for me. Um, although I do hope, I would love to see Anthony Edwards have like a, a huge game here. 
Yeah, I think that's the one thing that they, they, they could use to, to for that to happen. But I think just the star power in L.A., the, the way the team is, is better constructed, I think that that uh, makes them the favorite here and rightly so. Uh, I don't think that they'll win handily, but I think they'll kind of keep the Timberwolves at arm's length and then uh, they'll, they'll take they'll take care of it. That being said, winner of that game takes on the Grizzlies. I think that is a little more interesting. We saw last year the Timberwolves were oftentimes a better team than Memphis in the first round last year. They just didn't have necessarily the the chops to kind of turn the corner and get it done. I think if the Lakers are to win this game and face the Grizzlies in the first round, a lot of people are going to favor the Lakers in a first-round series against the Grizzlies. Don't want to get too ahead of ourselves and and presume that the Lakers are going to win the game. But if that's the case, do you think that that is disrespectful to the Grizzlies and what they've accomplished or do you think the Lakers should be favored in that type of series? I mean, we talked last week and went through the five teams in the Western Conference said we can mm-hmm. make a run. I think I caught you off guard when yeah. I had the Lakers at number five, didn't even have the Grizzlies. So from that perspective, I, I expect this to be a super competitive series if it ends up being that way. I, I said it last week, but the loss of Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, they've they've been able to make up for that, the Grizzlies have, to this point, I feel like. But I, I just feel, I have that feeling like at some point, that's got to hurt them, just knowing how important yeah. those guys are there. But in saying that, like Dylan Brooks against LeBron James, I know Dylan Brooks talked some trash in there. I think it was their last <laughs> meeting against each other, how he only needs to kind of send him one way. Look, Dylan Brooks is an all-defense all caliber of defender. It's going to be super fun watching them go against each other, again, if this matchup kind of goes this way. And also Jaron Jackson Jr. and Anthony Davis, um, that kind of yeah. battle of the big men. So those matchups in particular will be fun. Not even saying anything about, you know, John Moran, who who would be an absolute handful for the Lakers. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I I feel like this is a series. If it ends up that way, I'd have to have to think about it more because I I yeah. do think the Lakers have a real chance to kind of make a run here. Just knowing you've got LeBron James, you got Anthony Davis. They're two of the best players in the league. They've proven themselves as a duo. They're healthy, and again, the pieces around them make a lot more sense now than they did three months ago. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that looking at the Lakers, it's important to not look at the fact that they started off the season two and ten. They finished the season, I guess, after that, uh, forty one and 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 twenty nine. I guess you could say to finish season forty three and and thirty nine. So if they're able to make it to the postseason, they have everything going on their side. They have a, a really roster that's really built for doing big things. It's crazy to think that they're one Matt Ryan three pointer away from uh, be playing at home against the Thunder right now instead of playing. I'm play, playing on the on the at home against uh, the Timberwolves and needing to. Win one game instead of needing to win two games. So I'm uh, very interested in that. There's more to get into, more uh, potentially disrespectful uh, takes on the postseason that we'll get into on the playoff matchups that we do know already, and we'll get into those after a quick break. All right, so outside of the play-in tournament, there are a few series in the playoffs that we already know. The 3-6 and 4-5 matchups in both the Eastern and Western Conference, I think there's a lot to unpack in a lot of these. I'm saying a lot to unpack because there is just a lot going on uh, around the league and around these series as well. So let's start in the Eastern Conference. I don't think... um, they're, they're a little more straightforward, I think, in the Eastern Conference than the Western Conference, and I think we, we should start with that 3-6 matchup. Sixers-Nets, Sixers swept the season series, even though KD and Kyrie were still with the team at the beginning of the season, um, and then they end up taking on the Macau Bridges version of the Nets close to the year. I got the Sixers in five. I think Joel Embiid is just too much, but I do give the Nets some respect, and I think they'll take one away from the Sixers. How are you viewing that series going in? It's funny. I wrote the preview for this one, and in the intro I wrote, like, this Nets team shouldn't be taken lightly. And then in my prediction, I had 
76 <laughs> in full games. So I, I realize it that sounds <laughs> weird. But I think this, yeah. where I'm at with this is that, look, we're talking about the six teams being a championship contender, right? If they mm. are going to reach that level, similar like what I just said with the Celtics, like they have to just dominate this matchup. They can't, they can't be yeah. messing around here. Yeah. But in saying that, if they do, kind of like you said, like I think the Nets could pick up one game, maybe even two, mm. if they really don't take them seriously. Mikel Bridges has been awesome since he got traded to the Nets, yeah. averaging you know about twenty-seven points per game. Embiid should be dominant in this series, but he's going up against Nicholas Claxton, who's who might get some votes for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he could be on an all-defensive team too. He actually defended him really well in one of their matchups this season. Joel Embiid absolutely dominated the second one, so it, it kind of balanced yeah. out where you look at his numbers on the season. It just looks like he, he couldn't be stopped against the Nets. But I, I think that's going to be a fun matchup overall. So, so yeah, I, I do have the Nets winning this one pretty easily. Sorry, the Sixers winning this one pretty easily. But um, I also think, you know, if they're going to make a deep run, they, they really have to come out of the gate strong in this one. Yeah, need to make a make make a statement. I think what we, yep. I won't say we're writing the Sixers off, but I think we're kind of in what wait and see mode. Like which version of them are going to show up because they're going to at this point they have to prove prove it to us, right? Exactly, they have to. I mean, yeah. Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid's player. He, it's hard to talk about Joel Embiid in the playoffs because his some of his numbers are outrageous. But I think it's fair to say like yeah. he hasn't had that run yet. Like he hasn't elevated yeah. his game to a different level in the playoffs. Yeah. So I think we're just kind of waiting to see that. There's also the James Harden element. Where look, James Harden. I think every year he's been in the league, he's been in the playoffs. That's insane. Um, you know, he, he's had a great yeah. season. You know, I, I think he deserved to be an all-star. He's going to be in the NBA, all-NBA conversation. But again, he's a guy who has never really, like, taken his game to that next level in the playoffs. And it, that that's why I think it's more of, like, wait-and-see mode with them. And that, that's not even saying anything about, like, you know, Doc Rivers and some of the stuff that's hit, happened yeah. in the postseason as well. So I think there's fair question marks about this Sixers team. Yeah, I think the big thing to acknowledge with Joel Embiid, he's had like an unfortunate injury luck literally every really year, has. pretty much. Like he like broke his face against the Heat a couple years ago, had the thumb thing last year, tore his meniscus. Uh, that the same year he's playing through that and still dominating with that. So I think luck is is a big part of it as well, and that applies to every team. Um, but if they can get a, a good rash of luck, then they might be able to make a run. And they again need to take care of business in the first round, and then we can talk about them against the Celtics in the semifinals if we get to that point. Now the four or five. Uh, matchup in the Eastern Conference is a little bit more intriguing. Cavs, four seed, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen and crew against the Knicks. Uh, Knicks actually took a season series three to one. I know you wrote the series preview for that over at the Sporting News as well. I initially just like went with my first instinct and said Cavs and six, but then I, I started thinking a little bit more about the Knicks personnel and it gave me a little more pause. And I'm, I'm going to stick with my first instinct. Um, Scott, what are you thinking about this matchup? Because I think it has a potential to be a really fun one of two young teams that we should see at this stage for a lot for years to come. I agree with you. Is it, is it Donovan Mitchell ball, right? Um, yeah. But I, I, <laughs> yeah. I had, I had Cavs in six as well. I think uh, just knowing what Darius Garland and, and Donovan Mitchell can do offensively, Evan Mobley, who I don't know if we've really talked about all season long, hasn't made yeah. Necessarily a leap that I think is the type of leap that everyone's going to take attention to, but he's absolutely made a leap this season. He was already a great yeah. defender. I have him, I think, third in my defense play of the year voting. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also made strides offensively. And, and Jared Allen coming back too. I, I just think the offensive punch that they can have and defensively what they're going to be able to yeah. do against the, the yeah. Knicks, I think that's what gives the edge edge for them. Uh, for me, I still think I would have had Cavs in seven if Julius Randle, we knew of his health and he was fine. Yeah. But the fact that mm-hmm. he injured the ankle down the stretch of the season, and we, I know he's out of a boot now. I think that's the last update we got. 
But we don't really know anything beyond that. So I just think the health uncertainty with him in particular. And look, if you look at the numbers, by the way, and how the Knicks played the season without Julius Randle, like you, you'd almost be like, they'll, they'll be fine. But I just mm-hmm. think, you know, in a playoff series against a team that's as good as the Cavaliers, you, you need whatever it is. Your, your best player, second best player, depending on how you kind of, uh, what you think about it between him and Jalen Brunson. But I, I think it's going to be, it could be a really fun series. I get the feeling that, you know, Jalen Brunson, this isn't uncharted territory for him. Last year, Luka Doncic was hurt to start the season. He ended up having to take on a little bit more. I could see him doing that, but I think that when we talk about it in the playoffs, a lot of times you just need to have the guy do things. And I think that when it comes down to if the guy doing things is Donovan Mitchell or Jalen Brunson, I like uh, Donovan Mitchell a, a little bit more in, in that circumstance situation. And that being said, I think Jalen Brunson at 48 against the Cavs uh, earlier this year because um, he, he has a way to kind of slither through the lane and, and finish over uh, the trees in Cleveland. But I know we'll see some different looks from that Cleveland defense in the postseason. I think the thing that, that, that most intrigues me about the Knicks is that they just have a lot of guys who do yep. their job extremely well. You know, you talk about an Emmanuel quickly. Josh Hart is, has been great for them since they got him at the trade deadline. You know, even Obi Toppin kind of coming into his own Quentin Grimes. A couple of guys on that team who, again, they, they're not going to, you know, be the leading scorer, but they they might win you a playoff game, you know, by a, 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 a quick stretch of plays, you know, uh, having a big hand in a 9-0 run or something like that. So I think that's what makes this, this series so exciting. And, and maybe we'll see a leap uh, from somebody like R.J. Barrett who they'll need to, to step up, especially especially if Julius Randle uh, is injured. It's a really good point because really the formula for the Cavs is going to be some combination of probably Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, or Evan Mobley going off offensively, yeah. right? And almost anything, Karis LeVert can, can give him some punch too, but almost like on a night-to-night basis, that's kind of the flaw with this team, right? You, you don't really know who that next person is going to be. Really, that that forward spot for them is, is the one that's missing, whether mm-hmm. that's, you know, an Isaac Okara who's been dealing with an injury, a Chetty Osmond, um, mm. that they might need one of those guys to really play well in at least like one or two games here. So I, I, I think that's a really good point, kind of in the Knicks' favor. Yeah, I, f- I feel bad. It took us that long to say Darius Garland's name as well. So Darius Garland's definitely somebody hey, again, having such an underrated season. Such yeah. an underrated season. Yeah. Yeah, Darius Garland, one of the one of the top young guards in the NBA, and he and Donovan Mitchell again. That backcourt is going to do a lot uh, moving forward. And we talk about young guards in the NBA. I think we got to shift over to the Western Conference. I, we 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 used the word disrespect earlier, and it kind of feels like uh, the Sacramento Kings were, were a feel good story throughout the season. They end the playoff drought, back in the playoffs for the first time since two thousand six, led by. I mentioned the young guard, De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, their all-star duo. And then they draw the defending champs who are figuring things out at the right time. Um, a couple weeks ago, we had Draymond Green talk about why he would like to play the Kings in the first round. He wasn't being disrespectful. He was just saying that it's a quick trip. It's closest team to, to San Francisco in, in the NBA. Um, that being said, are we just – are we, the, everybody, is everybody just writing off – the Kings a little too early um do we need to give them a little respect for what they did to win 47 48 games and finish third and win the Pacific Division this year or uh is this just the Warriors series to lose I mean I think you absolutely have to give you know the the Kings credit for the season that they've had Darren Fox all-star might win the the Jerry West clutch player of the year 
Demonis Sabonis has proven himself to be, you know, he, he's probably going to get an All-NBA selection or, or just be on the outside looking in. Offensively, this team is absolute dynamite, right? And I think it could be a really fun series just knowing that mm-hmm. the Kings are awesome offensively, not great defensively, and we all know yep. what the Warriors are capable of, and it, this could be a high-scoring series, basically the opposite of what we're going to get of, of Raptors' goals <laughs> in the play-in tournament. Yeah. But um, it, it's just, it, it's a fascinating series. I think this might be the most interesting first-round series when you just look at, what the Warriors have been this season, how much they've struggled to win on the road, and now they're going to have to at least win one game on the road to make it out of this first yeah. round. But they're going up against a a Kings team that that I think has more they have more postseason experience than I think people realize. But it's still, yeah. I mean, compared to the Warriors anyway, a far more inexperienced <laughs> yeah. team. Right, and also you know just how. That, that Sacramento crowd is going to be wild, just knowing that they've oh ended that goodness. playoff drought. And there is going to be some pressure on them to kind of live up to that and everything. So, you know, that that game one, I, I do wonder if it's going to be one of those things where the Kings come out and they look absolutely incredible and they're feeding off the energy, or if they're super tight, just knowing how mm-hmm. much of a spotlight is on them and going up against a Warriors team that, look, we've seen for, for nearly a decade now, like they can win anywhere, right? Uh, no matter what. So I, I'm. this is going to be a really good series. I, I do lean Warriors. I think I'm probably just giving him a bit of a benefit of the doubt for being the defending champions, and I'm leaning more on what I saw last year versus this season. But it, it's just really hard for me to bet against Steph, Clay, Draymond. And, and look, if, if if Andrew Wiggins is coming back too, um, all the numbers when you look at like the line updates and everything still scream that like the Warriors are absolutely unstoppable. Um, so I, yeah. I, I do lean Warriors here, but I, I don't want to disrespect the Kings, I think is the best way to put it. There, there's so much at play in this series, I think, that adds to the intrigue that you talked about. You talk about Mike Brown going to Sacramento after being on 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 the Warriors staff for the past few years. Harrison Barnes won a championship with the Warriors. Dante DiVincenzo played for the Kings last year, and now he's with the Warriors. So all that stuff is kind of working in the background. And, and as you were talking through it and we were talking just about, like, you know, what we've come to expect from the Warriors, I, I don't think that it's necessarily disrespect to the Kings I think that what everybody is doing is giving the Warriors ultimate respect. I think, you know, seeing the Warriors last year go into the playoffs as a three seed, having home court and end up having home court in the first and uh, conference finals just because the, the four seed Mavs made it. But, you know, having to go on the road and having to having it in, in, in the finals as well, but going on the road and getting crucial wins, they have the streak. I believe it's, I don't know how many series in a row it is with uh, at least one road victory. And, and I know that they only won, I think, 11 road games, or 10 or 11 road games to, to finish the season with 11 and 30 on the road. But one of those road wins were in Sacramento. And there's a lot that, that kind of goes into those road numbers. They were without starters for a lot of those road games. So I think that might be a little uh, overblown. I think I saw a stat that the furthest uh, a team that had 30 road, 30 road losses in a season went was the conference finals. That was back in 84. And I think that was back when the playoff series was a little bit different or setup was a little bit different than it is. That being said, I do agree. I think that the Kings are going to ride the momentum of a, a really raucous crowd at the Golden One Center in game one. Um, I, I have the Warriors winning this series in six. I think that just the respect that they deserve based on what we saw them do last year um, in that run to the NBA Finals, which in a lot of ways was kind of improbable. I think they're still going to ride that a little bit. And I think that I don't necessarily know what's going to happen beyond the first round, but I think Steph Curry is going to be Steph Curry. And I think that especially if Wiggins is back and everybody else is kind of clicking the way they've been clicking to close the season, I got the Warriors in this one. Yeah, I'm with you. Um Warriors 33 and 8 at home, 11 30 on the road this season. It's just, <laughs> it's a crazy differential. I mean, only the Grizzlies and the Nuggets lost fewer games than they did at home in the Western Conference. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, if they can steal one of these first two games, I, I you know, the Kings are going to feel that pressure pretty early if if that happens. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's again, like you said, where the playoff experience or or lack thereof maybe comes into play for a guy like a De'Aaron Fox or other guys who haven't really been there before. It's only but so much uh, that guys who have made deep runs can do in that situation. Now you talk about playoff experience; there will be a lot of playoff experience in the other series in the Western Conference. The Suns finished fourth, and they draw the fifth seeded Clippers. Clippers had an opportunity to kind of uh, tank their last game of the season and 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 match up a little bit differently in the postseason. But Tyron Lue said that the basketball gods know and. They, they reward you uh, in the end of the day for not uh, ducking things. So Suns Clippers first round, when when I knew that this was a possibility of this, it reminded me a bit of when the Clippers and Spurs played in the first round back in 2015. It really felt like the conference finals, um, but those two just juggernaut teams play early on in the postseason. We mentioned Kings and Warriors as the most intriguing first round series. Is this going to be the most box office best first round series that, that probably going to go seven i think if paul george was healthy the the answer would be absolutely yes okay right yeah i, I think right. the the latest that we have on him shamsharana reported today um or over the weekend that he's expected to be sidelined for the beginning of the series at the very least mm-hmm. um yeah. it, it doesn't sound like it'd be a huge shock if it is for the whole series i, I think if if you know the, the the clippers were at full strength absolutely this would would be a, the box office series in the first round in saying that, it should still be super fun, right? You've you got Kevin Durant against Kawhi Leonard, two of the best forwards in the NBA over the last decade, going head-to-head. Um, you got Russell Westbrook against Chris Paul. Russell Westbrook has been much better than, in the second half of the mm-hmm. season than the first half of the season, which is hilarious because he was the front-runner for, uh, for six-man of the year for a while. We don't have to get into that. But um, <laughs> Devin Booker, too, I, I know I just kind of said an underrated season for Darius Garland. It doesn't feel like Devin Booker's got the attention that he should get for the for how well he's played this season. And look, some of that's just been injuries. Like, he missed a ton of time, but he's basically just put together the best season of his career. That doesn't feel like that's being discussed. So I, I think even without Paul George, like, the Clippers do match up pretty well or as well as you can with this Suns team because they just have a ton of wing defenders and size and length that they can throw out these guys and, and maybe make things difficult for them. But um, look, I, I still think the Suns are the most likely team to come out of the Western Conference. I think this is going to be a, a big DeAndre Ayton series. Like They're going to need him to, to have at least one or two big games to kind of get out of this, uh, just knowing how much attention is going to be paid on, on Phoenix's big three. But um, I, I still do lean, lean Clippers. Uh, sorry, Suns here in this in this matchup. Yeah, and you know, as we kind of talk through this one, it made me think a little bit similarly to what I said about the the Knicks series. And, and we talked about this when the Suns first assembled. You know, their their big four, so to speak, of Durant, Booker, yep. Paul, and Aiton. And who's going to be that fifth guy to step up? And, and right now, I won't say Kawhi is by himself. We talked about how well Russ has been playing, but without Paul George, they lack. Uh, that second punch, that second superstar umph. But beyond those two guys, there's just so many guys on that Clippers team who you trust to, to do their job, right? You know, whether it's Nicholas Batum in, in spots, Norman Powell in spots. You know, he's had his uh, fair share of, of injury issues. Eric Gordon's a guy they brought in at the trade deadline. Uh, Plumley, another guy that they brought in at the deadline to kind of just do their jobs. And I think that, you know, trusting, I guess, you know, maybe guys three through nine a little bit more than you trust guys 
five through nine in, in, in Phoenix right now because playoff rotations are going to be so tight. I think that that is where the Clippers are going to have to um, keep things close. And, and you know, I, again, that, that Paul George absence looms so large over this series. I, I do think that that is the one thing that's maybe keeping this from being, uh, you know, that box office hit that I might have hyped it up to be uh, uh, before talking before talking it through. That being said, if he's able to come back, maybe in mid middle of the series before uh, the Clippers can fall in too deep of a hole, then we might be looking at a series that goes the distance, but. As it stands right now, it feels like the Suns will probably get it done in six. I just feel like the Clippers have too much on their roster to to only get one win. Um, but uh, until we know more about Paul George, I, I can't give the, the Clippers any more credit than that. Yeah, it, it's super unfortunate because it, it it did have a potential to just be like you said, kind of like that that Clippers Spurs series back in the day, right? That, that yep. was the one when Chris Paul hit that runner, the game winner in Game Seven, the game winner, and it kind of yep. just feel like that just took everything out of the Clippers to just yeah. get through seven games against yep. the Spurs. Like it, it didn't seem like they had enough gas in the tank after that to do anything. So, um, but yeah, it, it's a really good point about that depth too, because I feel like to your point, there might be one game where the Tory Craig hits hits five threes and that's a difference, right? But the Clippers almost mm-hmm. have like that third player or second best player could be someone different, at least when Paul George is out for, for six of the seven games in the series, if it goes that mm-hmm. way, right? Like we've seen Terrence Mann go off on an important game before. <laughs> Eric Gordon still yeah. has had moments, you know? Um, so I, I do like the depth there. They're also just, they can be an annoying team, right? Like Ty Lue, yeah. I think is one of the best tacticians in the league. They, they built, they, they, they've been playing kind of more big than they did last season just because of, you know, the Mason Plumley acquisition um now they have like two kind of rotational bigs but they can we've seen them play small in the past um you know which really test deandre ayton who is one of the better centers of the league and is super mobile but you know can they muck up things enough to kind of tip the balance in that in their favor um in these whether it's you know a couple games few games the entire series that paul george is out yeah, yeah, I think the big thing now, and, and having and having Kevin Durant with on your team now helps. But you know, this is a Suns team who is coming off of a massive disappointment the last time we saw them play on the playoff stage. So I think that so long as they have that on their mind to make that a distant memory, I, I do think that they won't uh, leave the door cracked open for the Clippers to kind of take advantage of anything. That being said, as we outlined, the Clippers definitely have the personnel to take advantage of things. They have the wherewithal to take advantage of things, and they have Kawhi Leonard leading the way. Um, and we could see a Kawhi Leonard masterclass. It's definitely good to see Kawhi and KD go back head to head on the postseason stage. Is something we probably didn't count on seeing again after they went head to head for five minutes in, in yeah, the really? finals back in, in 2019. So, and thinking back to you know OKC days and, and Golden State, uh, San Antonio days as well. So, adding add it to the, the next chapter of the Kevin Durant. Kawhi Leonard. That being said, we're going to have more uh, over at the Sporting News on all of these series, series previews for all the series in the Eastern and Western Conference right now. We've got stuff on the playing tournament. And once those matchups are finalized, we'll have much more on all of that, along with some storylines to keep up with as well. It's going to be an entertaining 2023 postseason before we wrap up here, Scott. I don't know if you have any shout outs as we go in to the postseason, but we can't end the show without a shout out, right? Yeah, just a quick one because I don't think we're going to be talking for a long time now just knowing, you know, the NBA calendar and all that. Utah yep. Jazz had one hell of a season. Um, they, they were super fun, way more competitive than I think anyone expected him to be. Larry Markkinen becoming an all-star really did deserve it. He had a, a monstrous season. But also down the stretch, like, they, they just – they sat guys, right? And it kind of felt like they could have lost 10 games in a row. Um, but really, like, they were competitive from start to finish the season. Guys like Taylor Horton Tucker coming on strong at the end of the year. 
Um, I, I think, you know, Will Hardy deserves a ton of credit for the coaching job that he did this season. But uh, so so kind of hat tip to the Jazz and, and hopefully, you know, this this is a, a pretty encouraging start, I'd say, to the rebuild that they, they have going on. And it's funny, I think that the Timberwolves use the uh, terminology all eyes north and all eyes are back north because the Jazz also have the Timberwolves lottery pick if the Timberwolves don't make the playoffs this year. Whatever it is, they have a first round pick of their own. I think they have the ninth best lottery odds so they can add more talent. They're building uh, an interesting way and they're adding kind of a lot of young guys who are able to uh, really just – be positive. You mentioned Laurie Marketing had making a big leap this year and, and get an idea of what they have and, and what they like. And I think that they will be a, a team that will be a record, a force to be reckoned with in, in a few years' time. My shout out, you mentioned adding talent. I want to give a shout out to the ladies in the WNBA draft class of 2023. Uh, the draft is tonight, which night we're recording. Uh, Monday, April 10th, Aaliyah Boston from South Carolina is widely expected to be the first overall pick. And then the season tips off on Friday, May 19th. So it's just a matter of time before we have NBA playoff action and WNBA action going on at the same time. And it's going to be a lot to keep up with. And again, like you said, we'll have more uh, to cover on that as well here on NBA Sound System. Until then, make sure to subscribe to NBA Sound System wherever you get your podcast, and we'll get these podcasts right into your feed each time a new episode drops. Keep it locked in with us here throughout the NBA playoffs. We got the draft lottery coming up as well, the NBA finals and the NBA draft, which should also be historic. So it's an exciting time to be an NBA fan. For Scott Rafferty, my name is Gil McGregor. Thanks for tuning in to NBA Sound System. We'll catch you here same time next week, and I can make fun of Scott if his picks are looking good. Aren't looking good. <laughs> See you then. <that. laughs>